Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Range Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely, and with me as always my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Lemuth. Uh, today we're going to start by talking about a mega deal in the driverless car space, and then we're going to move on to the box office smash Logan, the latest in the Wolverine uh, trilogy, not trilogy, Wolverine movies. Uh, so Chris, mega deal in the driverless car space, Mobileye and Intel. Intel, the chip maker, is buying Mobileye, the Israeli driverless car tech firm, for around $15 billion, we'll call it. Uh, that's a 35% premium to Friday's close. So obviously, it's a massive premium. Uh, not only is it a massive premium, it is a massive valuation. We, uh, we're we friends here, so we'll round it off and call it. It's about 40 times uh, last 12 trailing months revenues. Not earnings, 40 times revenues. It's a massive, massive earnings number. Uh, and, you know, it, we've talked a lot about it on this podcast, you know, the real thing that gets deals done, uh, the real value creation in deals is from cost synergies, and there are a little bit of cost synergies here. Intel's project- projecting about $175 million by 2019, but when you do the math, $175 million of synergies is not what you pay $15 billion for. Uh, this deal is clearly about Intel getting into getting more into the driverless car space. So uh, I'll, with that background, I'll kind of flip it over to you. Uh, what do you think about the, the deal? These are big numbers in every single direction, in percentage, in premium, in multiple, in dollars. Um, and uh, one way to think about this is Mobileye's buying Intel's uh, effort so far. Intel's buying Mobileye. No, I know. No, but I was saying, but mobile, Mobileye's buying what Intel has so far. That Mobileye is much more the kind of developed business that Intel wants to uh uh, wants to grow with. Um, Mobileye is an interesting business. It's been a um, kind of big, uh, kind of bear target uh, in the past for reasons that were at the time pretty convincing to me. I, I was looking at it this morning, and my first thought about this deal is boy, short ideas really are not just the inverse of long ideas. A long idea might be something that you find analyzable and compelling, but being not analyzable, you know, some people tell you that they're the future, and they actually are. Yeah, yeah, look, I think you're exactly right. Mobile has been a battleground stock. The Bulls, who kind of were a little bit proved right with the deal this yeah. morning, you know, they love, look, this is a play on driverless cars, and there are just not a lot of plays on driverless cars. There's not a lot of firms with this technology, and they were saying somebody's going to come buy them for a big premium because they're going to prove to be very strategic. Uh, you know, Mobileye, uh, what I see a lot of people saying was, look, this is the building block for self-driving cars. They make the integrated cameras, chips, and software that you need for self-driving mm-hmm. cars. They sell to more than two dozen manufacturers. And I think the stats I saw said they had 70% of the global driver assistance and anti-collision markets. So mm-hmm. obviously, those markets are going to grow. They're the dominant player here. And they were saying, look, they're the biggest player. They're going to be strategic. Somebody's going to pay a massive premium to take it out. Uh, bears were saying exactly what you're saying valuation is insane and they were seeing a lot of issues with the technology uh they were saying look mobileye was uh really in tesla cars and mm-hmm. mobileye and tesla had a very public spat last year yep. after the tesla uh autopilot accident that actually killed someone they kind of threw blame back and forth and then uh in september or october Tesla kicked Mobileye out, and then Mobileye argued that they actually had dropped out of the Tesla program, 
And people were saying, you know, who was responsible for this? There were accusations back and forth. And a lot of bears were saying, hey, Tesla could kick them out because Tesla's developing it on their own. If a lot of companies are developing this technology internally, that's going to be really bad for Mobileye going forward. So uh, All their customers have make-buy decisions. Yeah, exactly. It really seemed like that that was a big uh, issue. But, you know, and I I don't like to overstate this case, but boy, just the um, limited, uh, you know, if you look at the supply and demand of companies in the space big cumbersome companies like intel uh they don't have lots of tools in their toolkit and this was kind of one that was left and they kind of grabbed it um so yeah and you know i think intel is interesting intel shares were down two or three percent on the Mm -hmm. news which you know that sounds small but when you put into context the size of intel that's a pretty big move on the day for intel on this news Mm -hmm. and people are really questioning i talked to some analysts today they're saying hey this was a big premium, and yeah. Intel has a very poor acquisition history. And I don't know if you want to talk about that. You want me to talk about it? Yeah, you know, um, we actually, I was at the time a shareholder of Altera, one that seemed like, uh, you know, it um, made uh, a little bit more sense to me. I think that that was, I forget if that was its biggest in the yeah, last so, few years. So Altera 2015 purchase, it was about $16 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh and Intel bought them for 15, sixteen billion in two thousand fifteen. Yep. My recollection is we were a little bit overpaid for that too, which I'm always happy to uh, get overpaid, less happy to overpay. Um, and uh, so they do some big deals and they do some bad deals too. Yeah. So look, a lot of people are saying, look, not only is the valuation a question, but Intel's track record for acquisitions is really poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people I know were pointing to the McAfee acquisition mm-hmm. two thousand eleven. They bought McAfee for almost eight billion dollars. Uh, late 2016, they sold it at a about $4 billion valuation. So obviously that was a disaster. They were saying Intel's known for paying up for people. Oh, they paid a 60% premium for McAfee. As you yeah. said, they paid a big premium for Altera. They're known for paying big over premiums and then not being able to integrate companies into their business, which does not speak well to the odds of uh, Mobileye coming. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was a lot of analysts were saying, look, Intel's core business is making chips for PCs. This is their second $15 billion plus acquisition in the past two years. You know, this might be Intel's way of saying, hey, the PC market, we see it declining faster than anyone else sees, and we need to buy other things to build up elsewhere because our core business is in trouble. Uh, you know, the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about is I, I think in the wake of the GM, Opal, PSA deal we talked about last week mm-hmm. and this deal, a lot of people are saying, hey, who's next? Is the car industry, is this the start of a massive wave of consolidation? So I'll flip it over to you. I think so. I think there are a lot of uh, deals uh, left, both between uh, the autos and uh, their suppliers and kind of the related companies. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super hopeful for uh, this being a big year for auto m and Yeah, and, and it was interesting. Uh, almost every auto, you know, it was kind of a flat market day, and almost every auto company, auto supplier, a- anything that was touching autos was up 1% to 3% today, which again, you know, small moves, but everybody clearly saw this deal, last week's deal. Uh, Berg Warner, Lear, all these stocks that I don't really follow but have a lot to do with touching the auto supply chain were all up nicely. Yeah. The one that kind of surprised me was NVIDIA, which makes graphic cards for computers. People had long thought that was an Intel acquisition target, and uh, its shares were up 3 or 4% today, which I would have guessed they were down just because this probably means Intel isn't acquiring them. But people might have been doing the math and saying, hey, maybe NVIDIA is late stages with someone else, and Intel just had to move on because NVIDIA is about to be bought with, by someone else. I'll, I'll give you the last word if you want to say anything uh, on this. Two last little mini thoughts. Uh, one is that early stage 
uh, auto supplier of parts in terms of kind of new technology, novel technology, especially for high-end cars, has been a really good business. There's a lot of uh, kind of billionaires and people who have big family fortunes from uh, auto uh, su uh, supply. Uh, it's kind of a good argument for the advantages of uh, social inequality. You have uh, wealthy people who are early adopters, and then the features that they like become pervasive uh, because it's uh, easier just to make them for everybody a few years later, uh, so people get to all drive nice cars. Uh, the negative, though, is there's a real monopsony here, or if you think about it, uh, there are not that many customers, uh, so that the uh, you know you can always have a pricing problem uh, throughout the life of uh, auto. Uh, suppliers, uh, they can always, if they want to crack down on you, you're always uh, at the risk of, uh, you know, in or near or could approach bankruptcy if your customers ever turn against you. Yeah, um, I, I think that's great. And look, we see it with Apple suppliers a lot too, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of these guys, they tout, hey, we get 70% of our sales from Apple and Apple iPhones and it's a massively growing market. And it's great until Apple turns to you and says, oh, your gross margins are 50%. We want you to cut prices by 30% right, right now, tomorrow. Yeah. If you don't, we're, we're leaving you. And then they're bankrupt. I, I think it's a great point. So last one I would say is uh, that, uh, you know, I think there are certain arrogant claims that some analysts, I would put me in this category, just enjoy debunking. And this is a company that, you know, they looked at autonomous driving. They described this as a life-changing mega trend, which sounds so promotional to put in your this uh, is mobile slide deck. This is mobile about, yeah. you're talking about again. Yeah. And uh, I would just end with saying that just because you want to debunk something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bunk. Yeah. And look, if you look at the history of Steve Jobs, again, Apple, Steve Jobs, a lot of people, when you're trying to be a visionary, like you have to get people excited and you almost need that hyperbole to get people to buy into your excitement. So this was a company that was pushing out a lot of hyperbole. A lot of people were uh, very doubtful of it, but it turned out to be right. And maybe that was a self-fulfilling prophecy because they needed adopters. You ready to move on to Logan? I am. Great. So Logan, uh, this is the latest installment of the X-Men series. It came out two weeks ago and it's been a box office smash, $300 million in box office in two weeks. Basically tied for the biggest Wolverine box office, despite a budget half the size of previous mm -hmm. installments. Rave reviews. I've got it at about 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it this weekend. Uh, I thought it was pretty good, though it was uh, pretty dark compared to the movies I normally like to see. Uh, but I don't really want to talk about the film itself. What I want to talk about is kind of the film's rating. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was interesting is traditionally superhero movies are rated PG-13. And the reason is, hey, we get this PG-13, a superhero audience, you know, really teenage, particularly males, are the target demographic. PG-13, no issue getting P uh, teenage males. Uh, late, last year, late last year, Deadpool came out, and Deadpool was rated R. Huge box office smash, $750 million, and that paved the way for Logan, which is much darker, much more violent, R rating, lots of F-bombs, which we don't encourage on this podcast. But no. I want to talk to you, you know, is this an example of an underrated, underappreciated niche market that they're kind of finding and exploiting? Or is this just two really great movies that happen to have R ratings, but, you know, they did great because they're great movies, not because they're kind of exploiting something? I would say that I'm most expert in movies uh, intended for six-year-old girls, uh, given the dominant uh, demographics within my family and who uh, has the strongest will. of. Uh, so I know more about Frozen and Trolls and that kind of thing. Surprisingly, that's the that's the movies I'm most, <laughs> I'm most familiar with, and that has nothing to do with the demographics. <laughs> but uh, no, so this was a remarkable success. Uh, my first observation in terms of the rating is that, uh, boy, corporate saws, corporate uh, just kind of sing-songy, uh, 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 trite 
ideas such as a uh, superhero movie should have a PG-13 rating. Why? I mean, maybe that was what we've done in the past. Maybe that that had some uh, kind of uh, empirical evidence uh, a decade ago. Uh, culture changes fast, um, and you haven't tried different things until Deadpool. And, uh, uh, you know, experimenting, almost always a good idea. These movies aren't that expensive to make. At least this one wasn't. So uh, it's easy to have these kind of trite sayings wrong. Well, so this one, you know, was only $100 million, But look, the, the Avengers and the Marvel ones are $100 million plus uh, blockbusters every time. But I, I think that's I, I think that's close on the market. Like, when you looked at a lot of the quotes from the people at uh, 20th Century Fox who released this movie, what they were saying was, look, Disney, Marvel, all the DC movies, all the Marvel movies, they're made for PG-13. And they do that for exactly what you're saying. A decade ago, they identified, hey, we do this. We get most of the teenage boys accessible. But what Fox was saying is, look, all of them are basically the same. You know, like they go, there's an issue at the end. Somebody comes and it sets up for the sequel. And the great thing about these two movies is, they're different. They're violent. And there there was an audience among probably people who, you know, like me, 10, 15 years ago were teenagers, started seeing these. They wanted something more adult. They wanted something darker. They wanted something more violent. And I do think this is an example of everybody was going with the herd, going with that PG-13 traditional thing. And they took advantage of that. There was demand for something else. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Any kind of extreme sport or anything with a big endorphin response, you have to uh, get more. You can't kind of say at the same level mm-hmm. you know if you look you know you go skydiving and after a few times your endorphin response goes way down same with drugs same with anything that's kind of an endorphin dosage and uh, I, i've not seen any science um in terms of studies on this but i would quite imagine that movies are the same thing that you kind of get used to you know you've seen a bunch of pg-13 uh, movies that as kind of cultural standards get laxer, you could state that positively or negatively. I'm kind of neutral, but uh, uh, that I imagine that getting a bigger uh, kick uh, takes a more violent movie. And in this case, Hugh Jackman, who I think is a really good actor, uh, he is retiring from the series. I think he was out no matter what direction they picked. Uh, So the idea of picking kind of an extreme end to the series makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, if you look at cooperative behavior and having a rating that parents like is cooperative in a sense, uh, cooperation only exists in game theory because of the shadow of the future. When there's no future, there should be no cooperation. And so uh, to heck with it. Why not make a really extreme movie, get that endorphin response from fans and uh, forget about what the parents like? No, and look, I think that's interesting. Uh, if you if you look at a lot of the superhero movies, they... Exactly what we were saying earlier, right? All the PG-13 ones, they've set up with the same structure. Mm-hmm. And it gets tough to keep topping them because they've all got the same structure. They've all got the same special events and they were limited to the same amount of violence. Uh, and like you're saying here, it was the end of the line so they could try to experiment. You know, if you if you bomb Logan, it's not like you've invested $400 million into a mm-hmm. franchise a la like a Batman versus Superman. It's gone too violent, too dark, and you've kind of destroyed the franchise. You know, you bomb and it was... This was the last one everywhere. Anyway, we can kind of experiment a little bit. And you can do something unique. So I, I think that's uh, right on the mark. You know, it, uh, I haven't thought too much about this. But if I turned it over to you, like, if you had to guess, what do you think kind of the next 
niche and it doesn't have to be in superhero movies is like is there anything that you think is kind of underexploited right now uh, you know and i can't think of a specific example other than just saying and we were talking about this earlier today you said we talked about it in the podcast in the past so i won't make the same point again i'll try to make a little different one that the, the cultural norms get broadened and so there are a lot of categories where people are more comfortable uh, expressing their preferences in a broader way, especially uh, on uh, on Netflix, Apple TV, Kindle, and so forth. Uh, uh, this is kind of the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey for dudes who want to see violence. Yeah, it, no, and, and mine is kind of along those same lines. I I think uh, right now, like movies and TV shows are still ordered. Amazon's done a little bit of this where. They, they put out a series pilot and they kind of let viewers' responses to the series pilot determine if they pick up a full series. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to be more uh, – we're going to continue to veer into uh, TV shows are going to be run based on kind of audience feedback. And I'm surprised like – look, a streaming show, you know, the issue with a TV show on CBS is everybody has to watch the same thing at the same time. I'm surprised we haven't seen kind of like – along a video games line a choose your own adventure netflix show or something where you watch and there are four different endings and you can choose like hey do you like this character kill them off and the tv show veers one way and you watch one set of episodes keep them alive and the tv show veers another way so i think there's going to be a lot of experimenting with the different things that streaming can do if that makes sense i, I think so i mean when, you know when i was a kid i had no tv at home and watched all very, very, very few movies, and I think my parents convincingly believed that it was just low quality, it was a bad use of your time. The problem now is maybe it's not an optimal use of your time, but there's some fantastic drama and really good acting, and even on topics where you might stumble on some local knowledge, uh, you have a much easier route to really interacting with writers. You know, yeah. uh, when Billions came out, I've kind of been back and forth constantly with the writers on different things they've been doing that are right or wrong, and I think every uh, everybody who has their own local knowledge can have that kind of reaction and kind of intimacy with the creative process Mm -hmm. and and hopefully influence the creative process right so anyway i I think we've got to wrap it up there we're pretty much out of time so that's all the time we have for today before we hit our disclosures just a quick reminder if you like this podcast please be sure to follow and read us on itunes stitcher or audio boom we try to read everyone and they mean a lot to us uh, disclosure, Chris, I, I don't have any Do you, any disclosures for you? None. Great. Well, we've got the great uh, snowstorm of 2017 coming, so we'll probably be off tomorrow and Wednesday, but we'll try to be back to you guys on Thursday. Talk to you then.